Welcome to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We're glad that you could join us today as we begin a brand new quarter, 13 weeks, where we're going to be looking at one of the most significant messages or series of messages in the entire Bible, three cosmic messages, the three angels' messages of Revelation chapter 14, and yet they encompass, they encapsulate so much of what's happening today and through the rest of Scripture. Before we dive in and I share with you who our special guest is for this quarter, let's begin with prayer. Father, we ask that you'll be with us as we study this incredible subject. Give us wisdom, give us insight, touch our hearts, and move us closer to our Savior as we study. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So our guest this quarter is Pastor Mark Finley. Pastor Mark, we're glad that you could join us. This is absolutely delightful to be at It Is Written again. Now, you've, you're no stranger to It Is Written. You were with It Is Written for 14 years? Just at 14 years. Fantastic. And, and your, your journey here, is, you've come back around, as it were. Right. You know, we just love the It Is Written ministry. It's making such a difference, Eric, in the world. Um, it is impacting tens of thousands of lives each week. We're so thankful thankful for Elder John Bradshaw, yourself, and the entire team it is written as we see this ministry grow. Well, we've been blessed by your ministry. Of course, you were with It Is Written for a while. You've served as a pastor, an international speaker, evangelist, author. You've served at the General Conference. You're an assistant to the president today and continuing to travel around uh, in, in a pseudo-retirement, as it were, um, and, and sharing the gospel around the world. And we're grateful that you could share these three messages with us. Give us a little bit of background. We're looking at three cosmic messages here. I know that this is a subject that is near and dear to your heart. How did we get to hold this, uh, this adult Bible study in our hands today? The General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists has been focusing on the three angels' messages, Revelation chapter 14, 6 to 12. There are programs for children. There's a TV programs that I've done called Three Cosmic Messages. We did those with Three Angels Broadcasting. There are books that have been written on the Three Angels Messages. Um, So just a variety of projects to focus the attention of the church and the public on God's last day message in the book of Revelation for us. About three years ago, the General Conference approached me and asked me if I would prepare this series on three cosmic messages, the three angels' messages. I have a little funny story to tell you about how we got the name three cosmic messages too, so don't let me forget that. Um, So when you prepare the Sabbath School Study Guide, it's a major responsibility because Seventh-day Adventists around the world study these lessons each Sabbath, and they're translated into multiple languages. And so I prayed over the series a great deal, spent a lot of time praying that God would give me the right uh, words and to make it very succinct but very uh, clear, powerful. You might be interested to know that each lesson takes me about seven to eight hours to write, um, not counting the time that you put in research. So I would figure for the 13 lessons, I have about 110, 120 writing hours Um, because each day is going to take you the seven days, an hour, an hour and a half at least to write it, not counting the research time. So you might have 150 hours, so it's a real investment in time. But sensing this responsibility, uh, Pastor Eric, and sensing the sacredness of it and the importance of clearly articulating it, it's something that I placed priority on. 
So a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of prayer, a lot of research went into this. We're going to be on a 13-week journey together with you uh, on this subject. Give us a give us an idea of where we're going. What are some things that we're going to touch sure. on? But let me tell you a little funny story first. Uh, so three cosmic messages. How did we get that? You are very well aware here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, of the McKee Bakery. Yes. So one day, a group of lay people were talking, and uh, as we were talking about titles, we said people may not understand three angels' messages. And so as we're talking, we, we were talking with Mr. Rusty McKee of McKee Bakery, and he said to us, you know, the best-selling brownies we have at McKee Bakery are, are cosmic brownies. We said, that's it cosmic. It's a great word. People are familiar with it. You know, conflict between good and evil, conflict between Christ and Satan. Three cosmic messages. So that's how we got the title. So we've got the title from, from Brownies. Yeah, right. I love it. That's fantastic. So give us an idea of where we're going. These cosmic messages, where are they going to take us over the course of 13 weeks? The book of Revelation focuses on the conflict between good and evil. It focuses on the conflict between Christ and Satan. It has to do with a cosmic conflict in the heavens. It's a, it's a Star Wars conflict between the forces of right and the forces of wrong, between Christ and Satan. So the book of Revelation focuses on that conflict. The three angels' messages prepare us for the final conflict. They prepare us for the overwhelming events that are coming upon our world. So we will go through the messages of Christ Uh, in Revelation chapter 14 and look at why these messages are so important, so significant in preparing a people for the coming of Jesus. Very good. Well, well, let's dive into it. We're on lesson number one. The title of lesson number one is Jesus Wins, Satan Loses. Now, that, of course, is good news for all of us. We want to find out how Jesus wins and how Satan loses. But it's interesting, Pastor Mark, that you start lesson number one not in Revelation 14, where we find the three angels' messages, but you start it two chapters earlier in Revelation chapter 12. Why begin there? Chapter 12 is really the hinge upon which the entire book of Revelation turns. In Revelation chapter 1, you have an introduction of the eternal Christ. He is eternal, he's our Savior, our Redeemer, and he is our High Priest and coming King. You find that in Revelation 1. Then there are three sequences of seven You have the seven churches, the seven seals, the seven trumpets. That leads up to Revelation chapter 12, which then catapults you into the great controversy and end-day events. So Revelation 12 introduces you to the chapters that will follow the Mark of the Beast in chapter 13, the three angels' messages in chapter 14, the seven last plagues in chapter 15 and 16, and the woman in scarlet on the beast in Revelation 17 and 18, and then the coming of Christ in 19 and the new heavens and the new earth. So Revelation 12 is a pivotal chapter. Understanding Revelation 12, you get the broader view, the, the larger view of the controversy between good and evil. And that's why we started there, to give us that context. So the theme kind of changes when you get to Revelation 12. The exactly. focus changes what do we find in Revelation 12? What is that content that, that sets it apart, that makes it different from, from chapters 1 through 11? Now we begin this new journey. What, what makes it a new journey there? The neat thing about Revelation 12 is you have four episodes. You have the first episode, and I like to look at it as like vignettes, as if I'm watching a video and I see scene 1, scene 2, scene 3, scene 4. 
The uniqueness about Revelation 12 is that it takes you down through the ages in this conflict between good and evil. It starts with Lucifer's rebellion against God in heaven. He's cast out. Time goes on. Lucifer then attacks Christ when he's born on earth, tries to destroy him. Time goes on. There's a period of the middle or dark ages where Satan tries to destroy the followers of Christ. And then it catapults you right into the last days of earth's history where the dragon Satan tries to destroy God's last day people, the remnant. And it's from that vantage point that we then go into the beast from the sea and the beast from the earth in Revelation chapter 13 that try to destroy God's people. We go into the message that prepares God's people. So you have that Revelation chapter 12, 17, which shows you Satan's attempt on the remnant and how, and then the rest of the book shows how he has tried to destroy the remnant and how they've stood loyal and faithful and true to Christ. So you have four episodes here, as you mentioned, in Revelation chapter 12. We've got a, a general idea of where that's going, but dig us into that a little bit more. We're talking about Jesus winning and Satan losing. Revelation 12 brings that all together. Help us unpack that a little bit. Sure. Let's just actually go to our Bibles and look at Revelation chapter 12. We're going to start there in Revelation 12 with verse 7. So this is the first great episode. Revelation 12 verse 7 says, War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Now notice, Pastor Eric, the next few verse, the next verse in chapter 8, and let's also look at chapter 9. Why don't you read verse 8 and 9? It says, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So here is a cosmic conflict between good and evil, between the forces of good, the force of evil, between Christ and Satan. And here in this conflict, we're going to notice something that happens. Every angel has to make a decision. Similar to the final conflict, when every human being on planet Earth has to make a decision. And it says that Satan does not prevail. He's cast out of heaven. So in episode number one, Jesus wins. Satan loses. We come down the stream of time, and we come here now. Let's go back to Revelation 12. And um, we again read about this uh, dragon who is cast out of heaven. And uh, we get another picture of him in, ch- in chapter 12, verse 3, 4, and 5. Go ahead, Pastor, and read those. Sure. Verse 3 says, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. So here's scene number two. In scene number two, Satan, who has been cast out of heaven, focuses on destroying Jesus. A decree is passed that all male children under two should be killed or annihilated. Scripture says that the woman bears a male child, obviously Christ, who is to rule all nations with the rod of iron. Her child is caught up to God in his throne. Jesus wins. Satan loses. He faces Satan's temptation. 
and he overcomes. He is eventually crucified. His death provides salvation for all mankind, and then he rises. So that's the second episode. Third episode we find here uh, is, is in this next verse, verse 6. Verse 6 says, Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Then the woman, the church, flees into the wilderness. The long period of dark ages, this 1,260 days in Bible prophecy, one one prophetic day is is a literal year. Ezekiel 4, verse 6, and Numbers 14, 32, and 32 through 34. So you have here the idea of the woman fleeing into the wilderness, but I'm interested in this expression. It says, she has a place prepared by God in the trials of life, in the heartaches of life, difficulties. God always has a place prepared for us. Amen to that. So we've looked at three of these vignettes. We've still got one more to to go. We're going to take a quick break, but before we do, we have a companion book that's available to this quarter's Sabbath School lesson. It's called Three Cosmic Messages. Of course, you're the author of this as well as the, as the study guide. For somebody who's considering whether they ought to pick up the companion book or not, what would they find in this companion book that would add more to their study of, of the quarterly, of the Sabbath School lesson? Sure. One of the reasons, uh, Pastor Eric, for the companion book is that when an author does research and spends literally tens of hours on that research, there's so much more than you can put in the Sabbath School lessons. So Pacific Press, the uh, publisher of the Sabbath School companion books, always publishes a book that gives you additional resources. So if you're interested in the book of Revelation, if you want to have a deeper view of the three angels' messages, if you want stories and illustrations that illustrate these lessons, if you really desire to understand the meaning of the text, where we break down the text and look at the meaning of words and background of words, if you are a layperson, a pastor, this will enrich your life immensely. So that is Three Cosmic Messages, the companion book to this quarter's Sabbath School lesson. You can find a copy of this at itiswritten.shop. Again, that's itiswritten.shop, the companion book to this quarter's study, and it is called Three Cosmic Messages, of course, by Pastor Mark Finley. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be looking at the last of those four vignettes, and then we're going to dig more deeply into Revelation 12 and see how it connects with Revelation 14. We'll be right back. It's everywhere. Adorning churches, adorning people. There's a season every year commemorating the cross. But beyond eggs and rabbits, there's a power. The power of a sacrifice. The power of the love of God. Be sure you see At the Cross and learn about the single event that changed the course of history. The event that can change your life forever. Predicted by prophets and foretold by Jesus Himself, what happened at the cross was a demonstration of God's love like no other. Humanity's fall into sin in the Garden of Eden brought upon Adam and Eve and their descendants inescapable consequences. But into that turmoil stepped Jesus, promising the planet a way of escape. Don't miss At the Cross. Brought to you by It Is Written TV. 
You know that at It Is Written, we are serious about studying the Word of God, and we encourage you to be serious as well. Well, here's what you do if you want to dig deeper into God's Word. Go to itiswritten.study for the It Is Written Bible Study Guides online. 25 in-depth Bible studies that will take you through the major teachings of the Bible. You'll be blessed, and it's something you'll want to tell others about as well. itiswritten.study. Go further. itiswritten.study. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We are on a journey through the three cosmic messages of Revelation chapter 14. And we're looking especially right now at chapter 12. And we've been going through a series of four vignettes that you mentioned are are described in Revelation chapter 12. Before we get to that fourth one, we've covered three of them, but before we get to that fourth one, the Bible makes very plain that there is a great conflict coming. We can maybe see uh, elements of it now, uh, hints of it right now, but we're certainly not there yet. There is a great conflict coming that many people alive today are probably going to face. Um, What kind of hope, what kind of counsel, what kind of practical things can we learn from the past, from what people have gone through in the past that might prepare us for some events that are very shortly to come on the earth? Revelation 12 is our chapter. (laughs) It is just remarkable. It not only presents this historical overview, but these practical hints. First, notice that Satan was cast out of heaven. He did not prevail. Jesus won. Satan lost. Secondly, Christ was victorious over Satan in his life. He triumphed over the principalities and powers of hell. Again, Jesus won. Satan lost. But notice a couple things, I think, that are very, very helpful. If you look at Revelation chapter 12, and you read verse 10 through 10 and 11 and 12. Go ahead and read 10, 11, and 12. They're really helpful, very practical. Verse 10 says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Well, let's unpack those, Pastor. There's a lot there. (laughs) There really is. Verse 10, it says, He hears a loud voice saying in heaven, Salvation, strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. So this is speaking about the coming of Jesus Christ. When Christ comes, salvation comes. We are saved by the grace of Christ. Satan can tempt us. He can try to uh, discourage us. But salvation has come in Christ. Strength has come in Christ. Um, Everything we need to overcome the powers of evil we find in Christ. There is strength in Christ. There is power in Christ. There is victory in Christ. Now, salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God. What does it mean, the kingdom of our God? Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. When we look at Christ, we see the principles of the kingdom of God, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. So what this text is saying is that although you live in a world of wickedness and sin and rebellion, in your heart, you can still have God's kingdom. 
in your heart you can still be at peace and filled with joy. Then it says, in the power of Christ is come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them day and night before our God and night has been cast down. Incidentally, I don't want to be an accuser of the brethren. (laughs) I don't want to be critical of other people. I may see the faults of other people, but when you begin to criticize others, you then become one of Satan's allies. I don't want to be a Satan's ally, but that be what it may. We look here at the passage that says, the power of his Christ has come because the accuser of the brethren is cast down. If Christ had such power to cast Satan out of heaven, he has equal power to cast him out of my life. So these are very practical things. The first principle we know is that in Christ there is salvation, there is power, there is strength, and there is the kingdom of God to come into my heart. Then it tells you in verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Notice it doesn't say they hoped to overcome. They were struggling to overcome. If we fully understand the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for us, love is the greatest motivator. We go to the cross, we find that the Christ who loves us most gave his life for us, bearing the condemnation, the shame, and the guilt of sin on the cross. It says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. There are some people that say, oh, life is so tough. Oh, man, I got, a, I got so many problems in my life. I got financial problems. I got problems with my kids. I got problems in my marriage. I got so many problems. I got problems in the church. They are so problem-focused that a dark cloud is over them. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. We speak out God's goodness. We speak out God's grace. We speak out God's power. If you want faith, talk faith. If you want courage, talk courage. If you want joy, talk joy. We not only reflect what's in our heart, but the words that we speak impact ourselves, not only others. So they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Christ died for me. Christ lives for me. Christ's power is mine. I should be the most joyful, happy person in the world. And it says they lived, loved not their lives to death. In other words, they gave their lives in service. So here's the key of overcoming, coming to the cross finding his grace, his mercy, his goodness, speaking out joy to encourage others, and giving my life in sacrificial service. So those are things that we can very much do today. It can be an integral part of our lives. We simply have to choose to live that life with with his power and, and for his glory. So that kind of leads us into, I think, our our fourth vignette, as it were. Where Where do we go from there? Yeah, So we've seen that Satan was cast out of heaven. We've seen that Satan tried to destroy Jesus, and he was unsuccessful. He tried to destroy God's people in the Middle Ages, persecution, fierce persecution. Many martyred, but the church still grew. Even in the Dark Ages, there were those that were faithful to God. Although you don't have a lot of numerical church growth, you do have spiritual growth in the hearts of those few, what we'd call the remnant. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 17... It comes down to the last verse in the chapter. The dragon, which we've ident- which the Bible has identified as Satan, was enraged with the woman. In Bible prophecy, a pure, chaste woman represents the true church. Um, Jeremiah 6, verse 2 says, I've likened the daughter of Zion, which is the church, ancient Israel, to a pure and delicate woman. In Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about the bride of Christ. So in the book of Revelation, a pure, chaste woman is united to her true lover, Jesus Christ. A harlot woman is united to the king's 
of the earth and commits spiritual fornication with them. So it says, the dragon was enraged with the woman, goes to make war with the rest of her offspring. Now, the King James Version says the remnant who keep the commandments of God and of the testimony of Jesus. So we have a description in Revelation 12, 17 of God's final end time people. They have, they keep the commandments of God. They are faithful and they have the testimony of Jesus. What's this testimony of Jesus? Well, Revelation 19, verse 10 helps us to understand that. Revelation 19, verse 10, and why don't you read that, Pastor? It says, And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he, that is the angel, said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we find here a definition of the testimony of Jesus, which is the prophetic gift speaking through the prophets. You find something very similar to that also in Revelation chapter 22, um, where John falls at the feet of the angel that's revealing truth to him. And look at Revelation 22, verse 8 and 9. Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. So notice, I am your fellow servant of your brethren, the prophets. So what is the testimony of Jesus? The testimony of Jesus is the gift of prophecy that beats in the breast of every prophet. It is, the testimo- it is Jesus' testimony through that prophet. So Revelation 12, 17 says that God would raise up an end-time people, a prophetic movement that would be faithful to the teachings of Scripture. It would be a Christ-centered, biblically-based, truth-proclaiming movement that would be characterized by two unique features. Its love for Christ would lead them to keep the commandments of God, including the Bible Sabbath, and would be guided by the gift of prophecy. Satan would hate that movement and therefore attempt to destroy it. Revelation 13, the mark of the beast. So God would have an end time message to prepare the world to be part of his end time movement to get a people ready for the coming of Jesus. And that's what we're spending the next 12 weeks looking at, looking at these three cosmic messages, this incredible overarching message that God has for this time for his people to prepare a remnant to be ready to meet Jesus when he comes. And the good news is we've got 12 more weeks to dig into this. So if not everything makes sense right now, if you've got some questions right now, you are in the right place because we are going to be delving into this in great detail over the course of the next 12 weeks. This message, this series of messages, is for our day. If you were to take your finger and put it in a portion of the Bible that specifically applies to our day, it would be right in the heart of Revelation chapter 14. And Pastor Mark, we're delighted that you're going to be guiding and directing us through uh, this journey into three cosmic messages. And we are delighted that you're going to be joining us as well. So make sure that you have the Bible study guide, make sure that you have the companion book, and make sure that you come back again next week to join us for week number two, lesson number two, as we look at three cosmic messages. God bless you. We'll see you next time.